This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. For weeks now, across the country, hundreds, sometimes thousands of people have been gathering to protest in support of Palestine. More and more, their anger is directed squarely at Australia over what they say is inaction in the face of a rising death toll in Gaza. It's a sentiment echoed in federal parliament this week. You are watching the massacre of thousands of Palestinians by Israel and you are not condemning Israel. You refuse to call for an immediate ceasefire. With the Greens storming out of the Senate over the government's decision to abstain from a crucial UN vote. Well, we are not going to sit here and watch you pat yourselves on the back for doing nothing. With domestic and international pressure mounting for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza, where does Australia stand? And how has Australia's approach to the war shifted since it began? Today, Australia's stance on a ceasefire. It's Thursday, the 9th of November. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Sarah, we've seen pro-Palestine rallies grow in strength worldwide. What are we seeing in Australia? Just over the weekend in Melbourne, we saw a major rally with tens of thousands in attendance. Sarah Basford-Canales is a political reporter at Guardian Australia. We've obviously seen similar protests happen in Sydney each week and other major cities around Australia. Um, And it hasn't just been protesting in the streets. Just last week, uh, police removed protesters outside Richard Miles' Geelong office. Obviously, he's the Deputy Prime Minister and Defence Minister. They were anti-Zionist Jewish activists and they were essentially against the the government's response to the Israel-Hamas war. It lasted several hours and protesters used bike locks to secure themselves to the building. And again, on Tuesday... We saw another group of activists stage a protest blocking the entry to the to the Melbourne Cup. Palestine will be free. Palestine will be free. 
These protests have spread from the streets and MPs' office to Parliament itself. Today, we bring the people's protest into Parliament. Can you tell me about the Greens' boycott in the Senate this week? Yeah, so it's a, it's a Senate-only Senate, Senate only sitting week, rather, so um, all eyes were on the Senate on Monday. The coalition is morally bankrupt when it comes to Palestine, and Labour has shown itself to be heartless, gutless cowards. And the Greens used that as a chance to protest the Albanese government's inaction over the conflict in Gaza. We saw a passionate display by Greens Deputy Leader Maureen Faruqi, who accused Israel of, quote, carpet bombing Gaza, targeting civilians and committing war crimes for the whole world to see. You refuse to call for an immediate ceasefire. Well, we are not going to sit here and watch you pat yourselves on the back for doing nothing. Faruqi also described the Albanese government's response as amounting to weasel words. Weasel words are not going to stop war crimes. And she shouted... Free, free Palestine! Uh, thank you, Senator Fariki. With her fist raised while she was also wearing a traditional Palestinian black and white kefir. Minister Farrell, that was a statement, so... And she led the boycott of the Greens from Senate Question Time, so all 11 Green senators exited Senate Question Time in protest. Order, order, Senator Hanson. Order, order. And that was the protest that we saw in Senate Question Time on Monday. Right, let's talk about the Albanese government's response so far, Sarah, because, you know, they have had some shift in the way they've spoken about this over the past few weeks. Tell me about that. Yeah. So obviously the conflict has been going on now for four weeks and I think it's really important to see how the federal government's language has really evolved over that time since that initial attack by Hamas against southern Israel. Let's bring in Prime Minister Anthony Albanese live now in Canberra. PM, good morning to you. It's been a dark, dark 48 hours, hasn't it? Good morning, Carl. Oh, it certainly has. This was a shocking attack, more than a 1,000 Hamas fighters uh, entering southern Israel. Albanese's initial response was obviously to condemn what he called an abhorrent attack. And in particular, he condemned Hamas for um, targeting civilians, killing and murdering them, as well as taking them as hostages. Hamas deserves to be condemned and has been by the world for its engagement in this action. Israel, of course, has a right to defend itself uh, as it will. At the time, he also said Israel had a right to defend itself and, and there were no concessions about how it would do that in those first comments. However, uh, Foreign Affairs Minister Penny Wong, who tweeted quite soon after the attack happened in southern Israel, urged both sides to exercise restraint and protect civilian lives. Mm. Now, at the time, Wong's comments were pretty heavily criticised by the opposition, who said this sentiment was not sufficiently supportive of Israel, who had just suffered a brutal attack where more than 1,400 people were killed and more than 200 hostages were taken into Gaza. But since then, what we've seen is the death toll in Gaza just skyrocket. According to the Hamas-run health ministry, um, it's estimated more than 10,000 Palestinians have now been killed so far as a result of the Israeli bombardment of Gaza. Many of those are, are civilians, of course, and um, the Australian government's response so far has really uh, sort of sharpened up the language. Um, and now when Wong says that the federal government supports Israel in defending itself... I've said that in affirming our right, our, our view that Israel has a right to defend itself... Uh, she adds the way that Israel does so matters. 
we know uh, we know that Hamas is a craven terrorist group. We know uh, the terrorism uh, must be confronted. What I would say is all of these challenges do not lessen Israel's obligation to observe international law and the rules of war. We've seen in recent days, including in an article that Wong wrote for Guardian Australia, that there are rules in war. You know, she describes Israel as a friend, but she says Australia as a friend urges Israel to protect civilian lives and to listen to the advice of its fellow friends. Um, It's also warning Israel about its own security because of the potential for conflict to extend past its borders, which is obviously not in Israel's interests as well. I again reiterate Australia's call for humanitarian pauses on hostilities. We want humanitarian supplies of food, water, medicine, fuel to reach people in desperate need. The people of Gaza cannot wait. In that piece that Penny Wong wrote for The Guardian, she reiterated something that she said quite a few times, that the Albanese government supports a humanitarian pause alongside many of our allies around the world. But I just want to pick up on that because a few weeks ago, Australia abstained from a UN vote calling for an immediate humanitarian truce in Gaza, which is pretty similar to this idea of a pause. Why do we have these two you know, seemingly conflicting actions here from the Australian government. Yeah, and look, it is it is something that obviously um, has affected the federal government domestically. It's, it's the reason why the Greens have come out to attack the government for, for what it describes as being a bit of a failure in the international stage. So just to, to quickly recap on what happened, the resolution called for the immediate, du- durable and sustainable humanitarian truce. Um, 120 nations voted in favour, only 14 voted no, and that included Israel and the US. Australia, along with the UK, Germany, India and Canada, abstained from voting. Now, James Larson, Australia's representative to the United Nations, told the Assembly that Australia agreed with the aims of the resolution, but Australia could not support it because it was incomplete, he said. And the reason why it was incomplete, because it did not mention Hamas as the perpetrator of the 7 October attack. And therefore, as a result, Australia decided to abstain from that resolution. It's obviously drawn, as we said, uh, fierce criticism from local commentators, including Greens leader Adam Bant, who wrote on X, uh, formerly Twitter, Labor's failure to vote with most of the world for a ceasefire is unacceptable. And Maureen Faruqi, obviously, as we mentioned again earlier, also decided that that was um, really key in why the Greens staged their, their boycott of Senate question time. Sarah, even without the support of Australia and many powerful Western countries like the US and the UK, this resolution was adopted. And its purpose is really to add political pressure on Israel. Has international pressure for a pause in hostilities had any effect? This week, after some back and forth with the United States, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu once again rejected calls for a ceasefire. But he said he would consider hour-long what he calls tactical little pauses in fighting to allow the entry of aid or the exit of hostages from the Gaza Strip. How does this idea, tactical little pauses, align with what Australia has called for and what many in the international community is calling for? This is the part that's uh, been a little bit confusing for many. So 
One international humanitarian law and human rights expert told The Guardian that ceasefire or the cessation of hostilities suggests a, a permanent end to hostilities, whereas on the other hand, humanitarian pause sends a clear message that it's temporary and for one purpose only. Mm. Many, many Arab states, leading aid organisations and protesters on the streets are calling for a permanent ceasefire. One example is Amnesty International, who says the damage to infrastructure and water pipelines to hospitals uh, and the rebuilding of medical and food supplies needs time and a guarantee that repair work will not be attacked again. Um, They say ceasefire would cover all parties, not just Israel, Um, so obviously Hamas as well. Um, So it would also protect Israeli citizens from rocket attacks originating in Gaza. Separate to this is the idea of a humanitarian pause, which um, the Australian government has been calling for. We have seen an escalation in the language used to describe Israel's actions in Gaza over the past few weeks. For example, we've seen a group of United Nations experts recently raise concerns that Palestinians are at a grave risk of genocide. Also... Ladies and gentlemen of the press, the way forward is clear. A humanitarian ceasefire now. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said this week that an urgent ceasefire is needed... The parties to the conflict and indeed the international community face an immediate and fundamental responsibility to stop the inhuman collective suffering and dramatically expand humanitarian aid to Gaza. As Gaza is becoming a graveyard for children. Hundreds of girls and boys are reportedly being killed or injured every day. How does that compare to the language that Australia is using? I think Anthony Albanese has been very careful and, and obviously members of his cabinet as well to to sort of tread a line where they're not angering either side too much. Um, it's a very careful diplomatic approach in, and it's, it's something that the Albanese government has been really trying to champion since the change of government. Obviously, the former coalition government led by Scott Morrison had a number of diplomatic rows during its time and Albanese has been very careful to avoid that. Uh, Albanese is taking a very careful approach to sort of tiptoe um, this line where, you know, he doesn't use words that might be incendiary in a diplomatic setting, such as genocide, um, which obviously some of the Greens crossbenchers have been using. But it is also very careful to acknowledge the fact that Palestinians are, by and large, suffering here. They are stuck within the walls of Gaza and there is a humanitarian crisis unfolding and Albanese doesn't want to be seen as completely uh, aiding and abetting that as well. Next, why did Scott Morrison go to Israel? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard. 
But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Former Australian Prime Ministers have been weighing in on this issue quite a lot and Australia's response to the conflict. We saw Scott Morrison actually travel to Israel earlier this week. Tell me about this trip and what the purpose of it is. Protected by a bulletproof vest and flanked by Israeli soldiers, Scott Morrison has visited one of the first communities to be attacked by Hamas. Our former Prime Minister is the only Australian politician to visit the war zone so far. Yes, so on Sunday we saw former Prime Minister Scott Morrison join former UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson in Israel. They were greeted by the former Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, Danny Danon. The two reportedly met with Israeli President Isaac Herzog and have been given a tour of southern Israel. This visit has really uh, made its mark on the former Prime Minister, that is for sure. He was. He was joined by Boris Johnson and they have toured the Kafar Azar Kibbutz. This is a community in southern Israel. Um, In particular, they visited the Kafar Azar Kibbutz in southern Israel on Monday, where around 57 people are believed to have been killed, the 17 Hostages were taken by Hamas um, and taken across the border into Gaza, which has sort of set the scene for this whole conflict. This is an unprovoked attack against innocence. I mean, children were in these small homes with their parents as their parents were. Morrison said in his discussions with Israeli officials that he believed there was a, quote, willingness to ensure that there's humanitarian support. He also weighed in on the question of a ceasefire in Gaza. No, I don't support a ceasefire. A ceasefire would simply um, advantage Hamas to be able to strengthen their positions and make this awful war go on for even longer. And he said that the world should not get suckered into supporting a ceasefire in Gaza, warning it is a play from Hamas. The sight of these two very well-known former prime ministers flying into Israel is a little bizarre. How has their trip been received? It's a good question. Um, We obviously saw the former Wentworth MP, Dave Sharma, who himself is a former ambassador to Israel, be very supportive of the trip and and suggest that Albanese should be visiting Israel as well. Such, you know, so far we've seen the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak visit Israel. Um, Interestingly, though, uh, another former Prime Minister has weighed in on the visit. Former Ambassador to Israel, Dave Sharma, says Scott Morrison's visit to Israel is what Anthony Albanese should be doing. Is he right? No, 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 he's, he's wrong. Malcolm Turnbull spoke to ABC on Tuesday morning. He said that ScoMo was showboating. Does it oh, look, serve look, that purpose? Look, I, I'm sure it's appreciated, but you've got to remember they're both two guys that are out of office. They've got plenty of time, OK? I'm not saying they're unemployed, uh, but they've got plenty of free time. Well, well actually, Albanese, Scott Morrison is still an MP. In the- and he described it as a sympathy visit. So he said it was more important for Albanese to focus on being a prime minister, and he's been doing so, obviously, in China and the US. That would be my advice to him. So... <laughs> stick to your your day job, basically, you're saying. Yeah, correct. And he said there was really no point in um, Albanese visiting Israel. There's not much he can do 
there. We know that the previous Morrison government was particularly close with Israel. And we also saw recently Morrison was one of six former Australian prime ministers who signed an open letter condemning Hamas. Tell me about this this letter and how it came about. So the public letter was signed by John Howard, Kevin Rudd, Julia Gillard, Tony Abbott, Malcolm Turnbull and Scott Morrison. And it condemned Hamas and expressed support for Israel and Australia's Jewish community. I think it's another sign of um, Australia's ongoing support. It's another sign of for the state of Israel. It's in line with what, you know, some of our closest allies uh, have supported, such as the US, who is obviously a major supporter of of Israel. However, the letter also signified really um, what a lot of Arabic and Palestinian groups within Australia have been saying, which is that they feel Australia is taking one side of the conflict and ignoring the reality on the ground, which they say is that Palestinians are being indiscriminately killed by Israel's bombardments, which are supposed to be targeted at Hamas, but are actually killing a lot more civilians than they are killing those involved in those original attacks. Sarah, as we've discussed, pressure is rising both on the streets and inside parliament. What do you think we'll see from Albanese and the Labor government when it comes to Israel-Hamas war in the coming weeks? I don't foresee any drastic change in language in the coming weeks. Obviously, we'll probably see that death toll continue to rise and there will be continued pressure externally and internally for for Albanese. But I just don't see him coming out and suddenly describing what's happening in Gaza with stronger language that we might see, you know, from within the Greens party or um, activist groups. So uh, I think the really simple reason behind that is that I think like a lot of Australia's foreign policy decisions, you know, we're a middle power at the end of the day and we're more likely to follow the lead of our close allies in the UK and the US in, in letting them take the uh, use the stronger language and then we sort of follow. Albanese's been really careful to not decide policy on the run. So I think we'll see the continuation of that language that's been used so far and there might be some tweaks and... If the death toll in Gaza continues to rise, as we've seen in the, in the past four weeks, the pressure will continue to build on Albanese to strengthen his language, to try and convince Israel uh, and allies of Israel and Australia to strengthen its response to what's happening in Gaza. It's, it's going to be interesting to see whether that's going to be enough in the political landscape. Mm. So Albanese will have to contend with this pressure domestically, within his own party and on the world stage. That was Sarah Basford-Canales, a political reporter at Guardian Australia. You can read her reporting on this issue at theguardian.com, including her piece about a landmark legal bid to determine whether Australian-made weapons and ammunition are being sent to Israeli forces. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria with sound design and mixing by Joe Koning, who also created our theme music. The executive producer is Hannah Parks. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.